Menopause Space podcast is brought to you by Reset 40, an evidence-based nutrition and wellness program for menopause and perimenopause. Hi, my name is Lisa Tarquini. I'm a UK registered nutritionist and a licensed menopause champion with the Menopause Experts Group. I have been menopausal since the young age of 32, following my first 11-hour session of chemotherapy for cervical cancer. As someone who reads medical journals for a living, I was so shocked at the lack of resources and research available for women experiencing perimenopause and menopause. This podcast provides evidence-based solutions for all women who want to live a strong, healthy and confident midlife. And it's also a space for partners who want to learn more about this transition so they can better support and care for their loved one. And it's also an uplifting and empowering community so that no one ever has to feel alone. You are listening to The Menopause Space. Coming up in this episode, Fiona Knott, CEO of the Women's Foundation, is one of Hong Kong's most prominent gender equality advocates. She talks to us today about why there is still stigma around menopause in Hong Kong and how we are starting to shift that narrative. We really need to reframe menopause and not view it as a decline of childbearing years. This is a period of creativity, energy, societal contribution. It's women coming into our actual you know, real power stage. That's such a powerful statement, I think, to begin this podcast because it really gets to the heart of why we are making it to break down these taboos and to start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on our first ever episode of The Menopause Space. I'm Lisa Tarquini in Hong Kong. Over the course of this series, we will bring you candid and authentic conversations with some of Hong Kong's leading menopause and perimenopause experts. We'll cover everything from sex and intimacy to HRT and talent retention in the workplace. We'll discuss what perimenopause and menopause really mean and how to get ahead of your symptoms so you can continue living your best life. So let's get started. Our first guest is well known here for her top down and bottom up approaches to advancing gender equality in Hong Kong. She has been advocating on behalf of women for her whole career and has been the CEO of the Women's Foundation in Hong Kong for six years. Fiona Knott, thank you for joining us here on the Menopause Space. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, It's fantastic you're dealing with this really important topic on menopause. So you've been in Hong Kong for many years, over two decades. What changes, if any, have you seen in women's health? Yeah, I think over that period of 20 years, there's definitely been a a shift and more of a focus on the particularities of women's health. Um, and, for example, we've had the Women's Health Division at Hong Kong U's School of Medicine that was set up about 15 years ago, which is great. And I think there's definitely been an increase of conversations, services for women, and permissibility about speaking up uh, on different issues. And obviously recently with the pandemic, mental health has been a really a big one and it's been heartening to see that conversation starting. So things are moving and shifting and there's specialist services being set up, but there still is a stigma and a disparity around certain women's health issues. So awareness on things like breast cancer and the importance of breast cancer screening has increased significantly. 
But interestingly, 47% of women in Hong Kong aged 25 to 49 have never had a pap smear test, which is key to catching cervical cancer. So things are moving, but we've got you know, a range of stigmas still, all the way from menstruation through to menopause. And I think menopause really is one of those last taboos in that sense. So it's great to see conversations starting around this topic. You know, that statistic that you've just mentioned regarding the, you know, the pap smear screening is frightening for me because I had cervical cancer twice and that's what propelled me into menopause at the age of 32. And I am doing a little bit of work with the Karen Lung Foundation on how to, you know, raise awareness and what women should do to, you know, prevent something like cervical cancer occurring because it's such a preventable cancer. And for me, unfortunately, I was misdiagnosed in Abu Dhabi, but, you know, annual screening is so important because it's a slow growing cancer as well. So education is key around this and just, you know, having this done could save somebody's life. Exactly. Yeah, the stats shocking and you know, thank you for sharing your story and I'm, I'm so sorry that you went through that. We need to drive more awareness and get over this, this fear, this embarrassment, this stigma around all of these these issues because, you know, we need them for it's life saving. Yeah, absolutely. So the purpose of the menopause space is to start conversations on any topic related to the menopause or perimenopause and whether somebody has had, you know, chemotherapy and gone through that route for the menopause or gone through it naturally or has premature ovarian insufficiency or anything like that. What would your story be, if you don't mind me asking, would you want to share your story on possibly perimenopause and menopause? As the CEO of the Women's Foundation, you are a hero and somebody that, you know, a lot of women in the workforce would be aspiring to be like. And some women obviously go through the menopause and don't feel confident enough to go for positions or really struggle with anxiety and stress. Would you mind sharing your story? Absolutely. I think it's critically important to, to share and, and normalize conversations on, on women's health and particularly menopause. And I find when I share my, my journey, my story, others feel empowered to share theirs. And I know I feel empowered when I hear other people's stories. So I think for me, I'll, I mean, I'll just jump into it. I think my, my perimenopause started a few years ago, even before I joined the Women's Foundation, actually. And I had literally no idea what perimenopause was. I was experiencing night sweats. I think if you've never experienced a night sweat, to wake up feeling completely drenched is uh, quite terrifying. I had no idea what that was. I was going into a workplace and having then these hot flushes or flashes where your whole body would completely overheat. And experiencing that sitting in meetings is incredibly disconcerting. I thought I, I was seriously ill. I didn't know what was what was going on. I went and saw a doctor and then realized that, oh, I was in perimenopause. I had no idea what perimenopause was. And so I was having all these symptoms and experiences. And I think the interesting thing was, even for me and at my generation, there weren't many of my friends really talking about it. Like I had no idea. And then I found that that when, you know, I did mention it to you know, a couple of friends in sort of hushed tones, people would open up, but it just wasn't in general conversation. So I thought that was just, you know, incredibly interesting. I've certainly moved through that really extreme stage where I was 
having all of those symptoms to now I'm in menopause and things have eased off a bit, but I really find it hard to handle the heat. I, I wasn't able to hike in Hong Kong over summers for about three or four years, really sensitive to heat. And so that's been, that's been quite tough. I've had other things like I think brain fog, more around forgetting maybe the names or even a, a word. And that can really be a confidence knock when that happens. And you go, what? What's going on there? So I've had all of these things. I think for me, I feel it's almost a bit easier for me at the Women's Foundation because I can share in my workplace because that's what we're all about, right? And But, but I recognise that in a workplace, it can be really, really terrifying because you're worried about being judged, being seen as incompetent, you know, all of these things. So I'm still on my journey, I think, through sort of strategies I take to, to manage symptoms. But I think overall I've been relatively lucky. I don't have too many, you know, mood swings or other symptoms. It's mainly the heat for me that I've found really tough. And I suppose that's, you know, menopause is, you know, not a disease. It's a life stage. And for each individual, they will have a lottery of symptoms and at varying degrees. But did you at any time feel so overwhelmed and stuck because there was nobody to ask questions or to ask for help maybe in the workplace? Absolutely, because it was never even, I mean, I think the thing is it wasn't even talked about in friend circles at that stage, right? It wasn't, so to raise it in a workplace and to be able to say, hey, I need, I might need a bit of help or a bit of accommodation. So then you have to sort of work it out for yourself and make sure that you (laughs) can run to the bathroom where you've got waters or, or whatever, or how do you deal with, you know, when your face is bright red in a meeting that can be really really tricky so I think things things are changing in that regard just of more understanding so if if people are having those symptoms or extreme tiredness where they might need flex work things like that things are changing but it's it's hard and do you think that that is a cultural issue being here in Hong Kong or do you think it's a general global issue as well I think globally there's a stigma around this stigma around opening up our menopause and how we view the aging process, particularly for women. Yeah. I mean, women, we already face these stigmas and stereotypes, but when you add aging to it, you know, it goes to this heart of what is a woman's value. And if it's only reproduction and when you age, right, it's all of this comes into play, which is really quite disturbing. We know women are reluctant to speak about to employers and friends. I mean, I've just sort of shared it. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to do that. So there's this whole stigma or shame or or around around this so we really need to reframe menopause and not view it as a decline right of childbearing years and 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 right we need to reframe this this is a period of creativity energy societal contribution that can extend so and hopefully this is starting to happen that you know maybe it's women coming to our actual you know real power stage so there's a lot of these sort of connections here i think you know, globally and in Hong Kong, we've got a rapidly aging population here in Hong Kong, shortage of talent. It is a natural life stage. We need to just educate everybody. We need to keep women at work. We need to unleash all that power and, and make sure everybody's supported. You say unleash that power. And in my head, when you were just talking there, I was thinking, do you think if women actually started having the conversations, they would unleash the power for themselves within the workplace to gain that confidence? Because if women actually started talking about it together within, you know, friendship groups and within colleagues and, you know, created this space where 
it was normal to have these conversations, then men would understand it a little bit better and then there would be less of a barrier, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I think just having conversations, just, just the, the start sharing of conversations and support groups. I mean, we've seen that with, you know, other topics, right, around caring, being a parent, all, all these other topics or, or circles or groups are really, really powerful. I think once you can share or learn from others, I know in my friendship group now it's much more you know we're all talking about it which is great and I suppose what what is happening what you know what I would like is that my daughter doesn't have to ever experience the loneliness and the overwhelm that I experienced and I think for the next generations coming through maybe I say it out loud started a revolution but like suffragettes you know just to open up this platform for the people coming behind us, uh, you know, to, to not have these barriers in place so that they can access best practice health and, and, you know, have a positive menopause experience rather than the lonely overwhelm that behind the scenes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think in doing that, we're supporting that next generation and the women coming through, right? So they don't have to go through that, whoa, what, what is this? And because it wasn't really shared with, you know, with me, it wasn't really discussed by that of an older generation. I mean, now if I go to that older generation and I sort of ask this sort of, yes, I'll answer the questions, but it wasn't just an open discussion. So there's a lot of fear when things, things happen to you and you just don't know. Yeah. So we do owe it, to, owe it to the next generation to talk about it, to share so they can get prepared and not be, not be afraid. No, that's absolutely true. So you mentioned in an article last year on the second annual menopause and work anniversary about the lack of data, particularly here in Hong Kong, surrounding uh, subjects like uh, like the menopause. Why do you think that is? I think, first of all, there's a, there's a whole sort of stigma around menopause, but it goes to a, a bigger piece around you know women's health generally not being uh, historically valued to the same degree as men's health. Even today, nearly three quarters of cases where a disease affects primarily one gender, the funding pattern favours men. So there's this disparity on funding, research funding, at more in favour of men, and that's what we really need to, to shift. And interestingly, there's, there's a whole movement around, you know, femtech, and there's a whole sort of burgeoning opportunity here for products and services. And I think that the Female Founders Fund estimated that there's a $600 billion opportunity there, yet only about 5% of femtech-focused startups are focusing around that space. So, yeah, there's a few things at play, you know, stigma, funding, awareness, but we absolutely need to do more research. I mean, there's some research coming out of the UK, for example, which shows that one in four women are dropping out of the workplace because of menopause. So... You know, it's really, really interesting. I think we could certainly start taking some pointers from some of the research globally. Uh, well, especially, you know, the UK has, over the recent years, been trailblazers in this area and, you know, highlighting, even in, you know, the BBC News, for example, that very sad story of a mother who took herself off and, you know, and, and committed suicide because of perimenopause, and uh, which is very rare for it to be that fatal if she had have had the help and if people had have noticed and navigated her in the right way 
definitely that that would have saved her life. But we know this now from the UK and we're getting all of these incredible stats, particularly in the workplace. And if we were able to get that from Hong Kong, then maybe employers might stand up and think, wow, you know, how can we retain these incredible women and what can be put in place to notice these symptoms at an earlier you know, state so that we retain them and, and get the best out of them as well? Because women's opinions in the workplace are invaluable as you know way too way too well um so within your work at uh, the women's foundation what have your observations been on menopause talk in general and menopause at work and menopause healthcare you know is it just not lacking or is there some whispers starting to occur it's definitely Lacking and definitely we need to do a lot more, but we are, but we're starting, I think, you know, at Tira, we've started running some blogs. We've started dropping this into conversations with certainly our mentoring program alumni and also raise it with our allies program, just, just to get people familiar with the, with the concept, with the whole topic and not be afraid to have open conversations. And I think for us, the critical issue is this point of where part of our mission is to advance women leaders. We need more women. In the workplace, we need more women at senior levels. We need more women on boards. This is going to help overall gender equality. And so menopause happens right at that, you know, that group where it's 30 to 60, but typically in that time where women are in that sort of whole position to for leadership positions. And so menopause then becomes, a, if we're not talking about it, if we're not having workplaces that are understanding and supporting that process, women, if that's yet another barrier that women have to, get through, right? We've already got the, you know, the unconscious bias, the all these other things. With and then and then there's menopause on top. That's a real problem. So that's why I think for, for us it's really important. We're really keen to drive conversations. We'd like to see more research. Yeah. And we'd like to see more you know awareness. There is a list of government clinics that, that the Women's Commission has that support menopause, but there's a there's a real information gap here in Hong Kong. There's a lot from the UK, but we need to do a lot more here. So you do do a lot of work with corporate partners on other topics. And is this something, you know, they are raising inside companies for this talent retention? Yeah, it's starting to be raised. And certainly for us, it's um, going to our corporate partners and saying, hey, we're going to come and talk about menopause and why you should be putting in place policies and practices and being able to have conversations. So that's been terrific and companies are starting to look at it and really navigate through. I mean, there's some companies here in Hong Kong that are setting up menopause policies, which is great. That's relatively recently, but we're certainly challenging companies to address all of these areas, find out how many women you might like to have in, in potentially in that career, have a look at workplace policies. Have you got really flex work? Have you got spaces where people can cool off you know similar to my symptoms right overheating what do you do about that in the workplace water other big things around uniforms if you've got a workforce that's wearing uniforms right how are they supportive can there be uh, awareness of conversation groups and then it goes deeper into well everyone in the workplace should know about this it shouldn't just be women talking about it it should be men and every, everybody because to your point around that that example is how do we support other people going through that what are the the signs or how do we show our support so it's a whole workplace you know awareness raising so it's good to see movement happening I'm delighted to hear that because you know from my own personal experience you know I worked for a government organization for six years and until my 
doctor saw that I needed extra help with my hormones, I cried behind a closed door for, you know, maybe three or four out of the working week. So it was <laughs> very hard. Thankfully, I was a manager and I could close my door and I could have that time to myself to let it out and and get back to work again. Not every woman will have that, you know, opportunity, but even if colleagues are aware that something just isn't the same about a woman, instead of pointing the finger and saying she's dropping the ball here or there, you know, even younger colleagues coming through, like 20 and 30 year olds who are hungry for positions, but recognizing that their manager or their boss is, you know, not feeling themselves. And I wonder why. And, you know, having that education may give them that little bit more compassion for their colleague as well. So I think... I agree, like it's a, an organization-wide education campaign almost to help women below understand that they will get to that point as well. So be mindful, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, um, but also for male colleagues, for, for, you know, everybody within the workplace. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, yeah, having that support from all, all ages, all genders. I mean, the other interesting point is the, the whole ageing experience, which I touched on, right, as our population ages and Hong Kong has the longest life expectancy in the world, and Hong Kong women have the longest life expectancy in the world, we have a talent shortage. We need more people in the workplace. We need more women in the workplace. And that's the talent there is women and older women, really. Ageism and stigma around menopause are really connected. We don't have an age discrimination law here in Hong Kong. And so this is sort of disrupting this whole narrative around the stigma around you know aging you're not you're past it you're over the hill plus you add on that for women of menopause and all these myths and stereotypes that we have to shift that because we absolutely just need to tap all that creativity and, and value for society so i know that at the women's foundation you are pioneering many many different projects but if you could walk away in years to come leaving a legacy with closing and minimizing the menopause gap, what do you think that would look like for you? Well, I have to say, Lisa, thank you so much for all of your, you know, you're, you're a, a trailblazer. You are leading the charge on, on conversations and uh, support, which is fantastic. And that's what we, what we need. We need education. We need conversations. We need to shift all this misinformation and stereotypes around um, menopause and have trusted resources, knowledge, here in Hong Kong. And I think it's the sharing stories and have a culture of sharing those stories, encouraging women to do that. So women who are experienced menopause can feel empowered at work and beyond that. To your point, that younger women understand what to expect, that men can understand how to support people in their lives going through it. Managers and workplaces and family members can contribute to that because everybody knows somebody going through menopause. Even if they don't, you know, they might be aware of it, actually we'll, we'll do just by nature of our our, our connections. And I think at the moment conversations can be, you know, it can be challenging, but we've, we've got to start. In fact, I was at a dinner last night, almost a sort of semi non of dinner business with, with was, I think it was 20 people there, three women. And someone said, well, what did you do yesterday? I said, I'm preparing for my podcast discussion on menopause. And then there was sort of this, like, these, they were like, okay, wow. And I, said, I got these questions. They were like, what should men be doing? And it was great, you know. I mean, I'm going to put it out there. Um, Brilliant. And they were really, really interested. So I think it's, it's 
yeah, let's start dropping it into the conversation and, and making men feel comfortable. They just go, don't go, okay, I'm not sure what quite what to do. Let's help them along as well to help to help women and help everybody. Yeah, I hope that men can gain strength, you know, because they they need to be heard as well. You know, I remember having conversations with my husband at certain times when I probably was like a basket case saying, it's not my fault. I didn't choose this. And he said, well, it's not my fault either. I didn't choose this too, you know? So how do you navigate that, you know, from a man's perspective and understand that? And then obviously have that compassion within the community, your community, whether it's within your social community or your working community and as well. And I know that my mother is a very private woman and I know that there are many women who fear and feel uncomfortable using their voice and don't want to have these discussions. But people like you in your within your position and within in your organization and with you know other women at the top of their game, women just opening their voice will help everybody and those who don't want to share their story but and it's okay not to share your story but at least if the conversation is there it is normal and you can access the correct care and working environment even from the cleaner and somebody who picks up your garbage underneath your working office table you know to you know that you're the, the CEO everybody has that right but not everybody can use their voice so I think that this is for me, a platform to help everybody within society, um, including those who don't have a voice. Right, yeah. There are people who are prepared to talk about it, who can talk about it, be out there, but not everybody has to. Respecting people's privacy is, you know, really, really important. No one should feel uncomfortable or forced to, to share anything they're not comfortable with. But the more that information is out there, then people can at least access Right, or read about it, or if they want to have a private conversation, they, they can. But we certainly don't want to put anyone, people in a position where, okay, you might be of a certain age, so therefore talk about your menopause experience. That's not, we, we shouldn't be doing that either, but it's it, it's just creating that cop, that culture. I think the other thing just to mention is also the, you know, the layers of our various identities that, that also come into play that might make things even more difficult and, and stick. So obviously we've got ageing, but if you're also facing issues of bias because of, you know, your race or other abilities or your or, or your sexual orientation, all of these come into play and, and also situations where you might have both partners going through menopause at the same time, right? LGBTQI partners. And so challenges there. So all of this bringing into all conversations and recognizing the intersectionality elements of this discussion as well. Fiona, if you would give one tip for anybody who may be listening, who felt like they wanted to reach out and share their story or, you know, just let anybody know that they're going through it, what tip would you give to any woman transgender non-binary person yeah share share your share your story people are people are willing to support do you know what i mean don't don't be afraid ask for yes right ask ask for help and you'll find that there's so many others that are going through or have gone through so don't don't be afraid reach out a problem shared is a problem yeah exactly exactly Fiona, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I think we could keep talking and thank you so much for all that you do. Your experience is really important to us here at the Menopause Space. 
you can check out our free resources as well as our professional advisory services at themenopausespace.com. We would also love to hear from you. Send us a voice note to the WhatsApp number in the show notes with comments or any questions you would like us to answer about menopause. Or you can email us at podcasts at themenopausespace.com. Coming up next week, if you're confused about perimenopause, you are not alone. What is it? How do we diagnose it and how do we treat it? We get the lowdown from our very own Hong Kong GP, Dr. Rebecca Lau. That's it for this edition of the Menopause Space. Join us next week wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lisa Tarquini in Hong Kong. Thank you for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Reset 40, an evidence-based nutrition and wellness program for menopause and perimenopause. The Menopause Space is a bold type production produced by Paula Sales and edited by Richard Aldred.